If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC. Chemical Workers Union of TUC demands the immediate removal of three members uh, from the TUC board over the Torrentco deal saga. I will engage the leadership of the group uh, here on the polls. What's still keeping Mr. Adumaku, Mr. Pinton, and Ms. Sapara Grant in that office? We will another on Mr. Adumaku before his removal at the board chairman. Unless the appointing authority so called competent and experienced board 
are themselves complicit. Also, Controller and Accountant General to delist all public sector workers who fail to link their Ghana national identification uh, cards to the public payroll profile by March this year. You will have to be a real ghost to be able to hide under this new system. <laughs> you really have to be <laughs> extraordinary real ghost. Um, and this is really uh, one of the ways we are using digitalization to fight corruption. And of course, uh, we have details. Uh, as the department says, the system will address uh, the problem of the ghost names uh, on government payroll. It's coming up shortly here on the Pulse. And anger, frustration and disgust from Ghanaians as some parts of the country were plunged into darkness Tuesday evening. Details as the minority in parliament is attributing the situation to the non-payment of gas supply through the West African gas pipeline as it fears a load shedding is imminent. The unfortunate thing is that they don't give us prior notice before the light goes off. These are more coming away here on the Pulse. The Pulse is always brought to you by global communities Digni Lua Affordable Safe Sanitation. We're on DSTV Channel 421, Go TV Channel 125, and Lessons are going to join you. This is independent, fearless, and credible. Welcome to the Pulse. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and at myjoyonline.com. Thanks for tuning in. It's the question on the minds of every Ghanaian, but are we really returning to the dark days of uh, Dumso? Well, that's the question on the minds of, uh, you know, Ghanaians, as they question the reason behind the recent uh, sporadic uh, power outages in parts of the country. Now, the minority in pa uh, parliament says the situation is as a result of uh, a 500 megawatt shortfall, uh, which was caused by the non-payment of the gas supply through the West Africa Gas Pipelines ranking member on the Mines and Energy Committee, John Chinapol, fears a load-shedding exercise is imminent. We'll hear from him shortly. First, let's take you to the streets of Kumasi, where residents are raising concerns about the adverse impact of power cuts to their businesses. Yadom has more in this report. Quite recently, there has been frequent power cuts across the country. Today, we took to the streets of Kumasi to ask residents what is the power situation in their area. I really do experience the power cuts. It's affecting us. They should work on it for us. The unfortunate thing is that they don't give us prior notice before the light goes off. We have electrical gadgets which do get affected by the power outage. Our children are home and they need the light for the assignments. Our 
yes, I a bit too much to be a casual. Then I see the light in a back of the cranky. Oh, no, more sorry. The light goes off and we turn it back on when we are far asleep. It's very worrying. We are unable to work when it goes off. Sometimes it goes off when we least expected it. Even in London, the crumbs are doing. Bear four days, I say. We keep our money on about three times. No times on the doom, no one country. Maybe I'm not down so. Oh, I'm a child of free. No, this doesn't cross what baby school best said. He said, You're ready. I did Oh, just so more. So, what about the doom? One baby doom, one country near who they are. So, touch it, touch that you have a man called an idea. Even yesterday, it went off in my area. They don't give us any notice before it goes off. They should let us know before they switch it off. So these are the responses of residents living in Kumasi. They want government to ensure a stable electricity or give prior notice before these frequent power cuts. For Joy News, my name is Dana Bwachidankwayadom, Kumasi. Our ranking member on the Mines and Energy Committee, John Chinapur, fears a load-shedding exercise is imminent. Here's why. Indeed, we are in this terrible situation, not because of an emergency, not because of an unforeseen situation or occurrence, but largely due to non-payment for gas supplied through the West African Gas Pipeline. Government was cautioned. Government knew about it. There were several reminders, and indeed... Even before the turn of the pipeline, government was informed. Unfortunately, the Ministry of Finance has failed to honor the promise made to WAPCO, which has culminated in the shutdown of the pipeline, resulting in about 500 megawatts of load shedding during peak and also shedding about 300 during off-peak hours. As a matter of urgency, government must pay this money. Failure to do so... I'm afraid to announce that load shedding would continue into the coming days. This is avoidable, this is preventable, and government must put its acts together and deal with the situation head on. And now the General Transport, Petroleum and Chemical uh, Workers of uh, TUC. Uh, the group is demanding the removal of three members from the Tema Oil Refinery Board for what they describe as the uh, issue of ineptitude. Uh, according to the Workers' Union, uh, Leon Kenden Apenti, Edith uh, 
Safara Grant and also David uh, Adomako are all the architects uh, of the mess surrounding uh, the Torrentco Deal Partnership. The group wants uh, President Akufado to, as a matter of urgency, relieve these persons uh, from their posts to ensure the smooth running of the Tema Oil Refinery. Bernardo Wusu is the chairperson of the uh, Workers' Union, joins us uh, with more on this. Uh, thank you so much, sir, for your time. First of all, uh, uh, help us understand what the situation is there. Good afternoon, and uh, uh, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, first of all, let me wish your terrorist viewers a happy new year and a prosperous uh, what you call year ahead of us. Uh, for about two months ago, uh, we, as the General Transport Petroleum and Chemical Workers Union, uh, we have been uh, on the news regards to Tema Oil Refinery, the activities of Torenko, and its uh, what do you call a group of companies. Tema Oil Refinery wanted to have uh, an investor uh, who would like to bring in a lot of uh, investment into Tor, but Tor has uh, challenges of getting crude oil and other uh, maintenance issues and some debts in their books. And the board of TOF, led by Mr. Adumako, who is the chairman of the board, initiated a move to get a company, a strategic partner, called uh, Torenko Asset Management. And as the union, we were... We had our own research and our own... Yeah, uh, as we speak down. now, uh, as we speak now, uh, we do know that, of course, um, the Office of the Special Prosecutor is, uh, you know, carrying out some investigations into the matter. The contract is on suspension. What, why, then, won't you wait for the outcome of, of this investigation? First of all, we are the same group that route to the office of the special prosecutor to investigate this, uh, what you call, buhaha. And uh, as we speak, uh, the office of the special prosecutor have asked that they suspend whatever they are, they are doing. And uh, we are saying that these three individuals cannot be at the office whilst these investigations uh, being carried on simply because this group of individuals are the people who are behind this mess and we think that yeah, and these are claims the office, these are these are claims you're putting out without evidence uh, the office of the special prosecutor perhaps if he finds it necessary might, might come up with all of these details um, through his investigation you're not the only group that petitioned the osp the osp makes no mention of your group in terms of of you know carrying out his investigations so why not allow the system to run and we find out what the outcome will be? We have confidence in the system. All that we are demanding is that the three board members should be removed from office so that the, 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 the board or what do you call the management of store will have a free hand to handle the affairs of the refinery. Because as we speak, these three board members are micromanaging the refinery. And whilst you have you have evidence to you have evidence to back yes. what you're saying now, we have, sir. We have we have evidence. What, what's the evidence, what sir? What's the evidence, sir? 
our evidence is that these three board members are the three people who are running the affairs of the refinery. I'm, I'm asking you a very direct question, sir. What, what's the, what's the evidence, what's the evidence that these board members are, in your words, micromanaging the company? There are documentary evidence, there are correspondence, there are emails that are referred to them. Instead of referring those emails to the managing director of the company, they are referred to them, the board and the, what do you call, these three individuals that we are making reference to. So all that we are asking is that three three people should step aside while the four or the five staff who are part of the group that form the Tema, uh, Tema Trust Fund, the Tor Trust Fund, that holds 20% shares in the, uh, what do you call, this Torenko, uh, what do you call, uh, uh, Torenko and Tema Energy Processing Company deal, should also be asked to, be, to leave the refinery for us to have a very peaceful coexistence. In, with the, invar- with the invariably, you're asking everyone to leave. We are not asking everyone to leave, but we are asking the five individuals who have gone on their own to form this tall charity trust fund. In any case, my brother, how can you be a worker of a company and you go and form a company to come and take over a company that you are working with? It's not right. And we think that they are present there is not right. And they should be asked to step aside with the board. Okay. For a proper what you call running of the place. All right, thank you uh, for spending some time with us, Bernard Olson. The Controller and Accountant General uh, says it will delist all public sector workers who fail to link the Ghana national identification number to the public payroll profile. The Controller General's department argues that the move uh, aimed at putting an end to, to the corrupt practices and goes to worker crisis, uh, which has bedeviled this system, will. Uh, be effectively done through this new arrangement. Speaking at a ceremony to outdoor the new data system, uh, Kwaining Busumpim, the Controller General, says all workers who fail to comply with this directive by March will be delisted. The Controller and Accountant General's Department for years has grappled with the challenge of payroll irregularities, especially the ghost worker crisis. However, that situation may soon fade away. Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Obamia is today paying an official visit as the department outdoors a whole new mechanization by linking the biometric Ghana national identification cards to staff identification numbers. The benefits, according to the payroll officials, are immense with an added... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Value of safeguarding the public purse. Availability of online reports. Certainly that gives us an advantage to be able to do all the necessary analysis we want to do. This also improves the data accuracy for decision making. We are, we are looking to save some costs on the payroll in terms and in line with headcount activities that happen on the an- annual basis. Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, while outdooring the system, noted that the move forms part of government's digitalization agenda and the commitment to fighting corruption. Because the Ghana card, as I said, is linked to your tax identification, linked to your SNIT, linked to your NHIS, linked to your bank account, linked to your SIM card, linked to your DVLA, and so on. You will have to be a real ghost to be able to hide under this new system. (laughs) You really have to be (laughs) extraordinary real ghosts. Um, And this is really uh, one of the ways we are using digitalization to fight corruption. Uh, But this system will expose discrepancies very quickly because we have built an ecosystem with all these different parts. And so it is difficult to hide under this system. Now, payroll irregularities are said to be costing the state some 8 million Ghana cities. In view of this, the controller uh, and accountant general's department says it is taking a number of initiatives, including merging the NIA database to its payroll system that will eliminate human intervention, which has accounted largely for this crisis. You see, what it means is that if you don't have the card number, there's no way you could process any new entrant on the system and therefore it will be in the interest of the new entrant to have NI card number i.e. getting him, him or herself registered at the National Identification Authority and obtaining the card number so that we can process fully the, 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 the employee on the system. We are just processing payroll okay that is our responsibility where do we get the data from? The data comes from the entity level, the MDAs, MMDAs, and various institutions. And therefore, they have the responsibility to own the HR aspect of the payroll. And then we process the result of the HR uh, data. So the first point of call, in case you, had a, you have a challenge on the system, is to go to your MDA before you 
come to control us. Now, the Ghana School of Law is demanding a government stays away from the school's uh, internally generated funds as it is uh, having a toll on the infrastructural development of the school. According to the director of the school, Verma uh, Yao Kodio Pong, in 2023 alone, the school paid in excess of 12 million Ghana cities to the government representing a 25% of the school's uh, internally generated funds. He spoke at the induction ceremony for 994 students who passed the law school entrance examination into the 2023-2024 professional career course of the Ghana School of Law. The Ghana School of Law is the only institution of education that pays part of its IGF to the government. In fact, last year alone, we paid in excess of 12 million Ghana cities to the government of Ghana. Until recently, the government was taking in excess of 30% of our IGF. And so, honorable, if you are surprised that since 1982, when you left the school, these buildings that accommodated you and your friends have virtually seen very little or significant expansion. It's all because the government shares our money with us and hardly makes any contribution for the expansion. So we were able to get your good friend, the president, to cause part of it to be reduced from 34% to 25%. We have also made a request, and I'm, I believe it's now before parliament, for a complete waiver of even the 25%, so that before you leave, and at the next induction, which may be your last in this term, you will see massive construction going on for infrastructure expansion. I know when you set your eyes on something, even the executive shivers. And so I'm very certain that within a short time, you'll be able to make a case for us not only to get back all our IGF, but also be on the back of other financial institutions, including state institutions, to provide for us the needed accommodation. This is because in spite of the inadequate infrastructure, we are still able to meet the reasonable needs of all Ghanaians. Meanwhile, Speaker of Parliament Alvin Bagman uh, speaking at the same event underscored the need for high ethical conduct in the practice as the, he advises the inductees to see their profession as a service to humanity, not an avenue to make money. Now, the world is experiencing an ethical crisis, and Ghana is no exception. Some of the issues facing the country are widespread misappropriation of public funds, abuse of power. We have a constitution that we are not following the dictates of the constitution by the dictates of presidents. We have growing institutional indiscipline. The mentality that winning at all costs is acceptable and making an exception for oneself without acknowledging 
any ethical boundaries. Ethical conduct of some lawyers has fallen short of what is expected of them. On many occasions, I ask practitioners these days what was happening. They say, oh, speaker, it's not like your time. The times are different. I agree that the times are different. But we should be progressing, not retrogressing. In fact, more corrupt activities are carried out by the most educated elites than by the least educated. According to the survey titled Corruption in Ghana, People's Experiences and Views, and I want to quote from that survey, it says, people with the highest level of education were 1.6 times more likely than people with no formal education to respond that they had paid a bribe or were asked for a bribe but refused when in contact with a public official, unquote. I therefore find the organization of an induction course by the Ghana School of Law for students aspiring to become lawyers most appropriate and timely. And our illegal miners have destroyed uh, between 40 and 50 percent of uh, one of the biggest forest reserves in the Ashanti region as part of uh, efforts to reclaim uh, the uh, forest reserves the forestry commission has granted uh, Unipar Mining Company an entry permit to begin a pilot forest restoration project through its reclamation consultants. Uh, the 10 hectares of the degraded forest is being restored. Lava firm Sarasatasari Donko monitored the progress of work and filed this report. <laughs> Pamprama Forest Reserve, previously a biodiversity hotspot, cultural heritage, and a high climate mitigation ecosystem, has been reduced largely to a wasteland by illegal mining. Thousands of hectares of the forest, about 40 to 50 percent of this valuable resource, is gone. Uh, the Pamprama Forest Reserve has been under siege by illegal miners. So for some years now, I can say almost about 40 to 50% of the forest area is gone. This has brought negative climate-induced hardship on farmers and residents of communities around the reserve. It is the forest that gives farmers in this area rain to farm. But now, if God doesn't intervene, we won't have the rain to grow crops. According to experts, the soil is contaminated with heavy metals, mainly arsenic. A typical area that we shouldn't have seen traces of heavy metal, and to be specific, arsenic. Arsenic is naturally occurring element. However, with little disturbance that we do to the soil or the land, it can come by itself. 
experts say it will take over a century to return the Apamprama Forest Reserve to its ecological function. But a reclamation expert is leading a number of young people employed from one of the affected towns, Odahu, to restore compartments 2, 3, 18 and 19. Unipar Mining Company has an entry permit from the Forestry Commission for the pilot project. From a degraded land full of pits and gullies, they have used the same soil in the land area to level up. They are also preserving some of the artificial water-filled pits created by illegal mining to serve as wetlands within a new ecosystem being created to replace the old one. The plan, according to experts, is to grow trees with the ability to extract poisonous heavy metals from the soil over time. The species that we are planting, typically the mahogany species, the oframo, they have the ability, the potential to absorb and to uptake these heavy metals from the soil. The Cedrella uh, odorata that we've made is a fast-growing species. Within a short period of time, there's a litter fall and that will decompose and add nutrients to the soil. Again, it will promote shade for the other uh, uh, seed. We are not adopting single plantation or what we call pure stand. We are going in for a misstand, and for a misstand, it is very robust, and at the end of the day, we can achieve the integrity of the ecosystem that we want to achieve. The experts say they hope to catch the eye of government and funding agencies after the pilot to be able to cover the entire degraded forest and beyond. David William Alan Thomas is the project director for Betterland Company Limited, consultants for the pilot reclamation project. We've set up a nursery um, to grow more of the seedlings in preparation for when we're ready to plant them. We've also got a research area where we're trying different samplings to see how well they may grow in this particular terrain. So that's what we're doing. We, we, we believe that it has to be addressed and we're hopeful that if we can show that it can be done properly, that we may secure funding um, internally or externally, hopefully internally, so we can continue this project. Because if it's not addressed, the land will just completely lie fallow. And that's an absolute shame for, for Ghana. The Forestry Commission is supervising this pilot exercise. Ernest Abdofo is Bekwai District Forest Manager. We demarcated the compartment into a 10 hectare block to make it easy for us to monitor the activity. So the first 10 hectare plot is what the company is reclaiming now. The earthwork is completed. They've uh, done almost about 90% uh, of the pegging and then planting is almost about 80%. So the project is uh, progressing very well. And then one encouraging thing that they've done at the area is how they are using drip irrigation to at least provide water for the seedlings planted during the dry season. And I think that is perfectly, it's, it's marvelous. And we are satisfied with whatever the company is doing over there. For now, the youth of Odahu, some of whom were young, when the devastation of their Pamprama Forest Reserve occurred, are happy being part 
of its restoration. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This marks the beginning of the restoration of the devastated Apamprama Forest Reserve. Should government be satisfied with this pilot project, then it will be extended to the devastated lands of the Apamprama Forest Reserve. Reporting for Joy News, Erastus Asaridonko, Apamprama Forest Reserve, Odaho, Ashanti Region. Well, farming communities in the Pro East District of the Bono East region are relying on tractors to cart foodstuff to the district capital for sale. Due to the poor nature of the roads in the area, tracks and tricycles used in the transportation of farm produce have deserted. The area. The farmers uh, have to pay more for the services of limited tractors, uh, leading to a rise in f- food costs. Nanaya Ojima has more. After waiting several days without accessing a tractor, some farmers opted for a tricycle in an attempt to get their foodstuff to the market. At the time of our visit, the tricycle carting the foodstuff had broken down. Navigating the sandy road is difficult for the tricycle, which has spent two days on the 120-kilometer road. We waste too much fuel on this road due to its nature. It is slippery, and for that reason, our vehicle is always faulty. We are farmers. We are cotton rice and other foodstuff to the market. Our truck continues to develop faults. We have spent two days on this stretch. The local assembly has often reshaped the road to keep it more trouble. Unfortunately, the intervention has made little impact as the road gets dusty in the dry season and muddy for vehicular movement in the rainy season. Here are some people plying the road. In the rainy season, we can't travel on motorbikes, and the vehicles refuse to ply the route. After the road was reshaped, it has become unmotorable. We are not able to transport our farm produce to the market. She says, I came here to buy yam to sell. Since no truck is willing to ply the road, I am stuck here. You have to put on your headlight even in the afternoon before you can see the oncoming vehicle. It is risky plying the road because of the dust. Meanwhile, some politicians have started campaigning in these communities ahead of the 2024 general elections. 
Parliamentary candidate for the National Democratic Congress, Emmanuel Kwekubuam, is worried about the nature of the road. Year of roads. Who is deserved his first year of the year of roads? Let us know exactly what you guys are doing about it. See, even in the midst, in the district capital, where um, uh, before 2020 elections, they brought a contractor to construct covers, to construct the uh, drainage system. I still tell you that the road is just about 20% completed. And the rest of the 80%, where is it? Only the covers, that is what you term as year of roads. Please, you cannot scam the Ghanaian. You can't scam the populace. You can't continue to lie to us in the face in the name of year of roads and tell us we are doing infrastructure activities or infrastructure development. Meanwhile, the people of Pu East are yet to even benefit from what you so call the year of roads. For Joy News, Nanea Ojima reporting. And up north, the paramount chief of Savalugu is calling for government uh, intervention to affect the impending collapse of the local rice production sector as farmers and processing factories have uh, been hit by low patronage. According to the chief of the area, thousands of farms of rice are locked up in farms and warehouses across the region due to the lack of buyers as consumers continue to choose imported foreign brands over locally produced rice. Now, Abdullah Yakubu and Dani stated that the situation was severely affecting the operations of the newly established uh, rice processing factory in Savalugu, uh, warning that the factory could shut down anytime soon unless government intensifies its strategies to attract patronage. Yasutanko has the rest of the story. Here are the famous Tamana Rice Processing Company, the producers of Nasia rice located near Waliwali in the northeast region. As we can see, hundreds of bags of meal rice ready to be sold have been locked up here for months due to the lack of buyers. This once vibrant company has since 2021 been struggling to stay in business after hitting stumbling low patronage caused by the smuggling an influx of imported foreign rice brands. Rice consumers and traders argue that local rice prices have hit record highs as compared to that of imported brands. Checks at some retail and wholesale shops indeed confirm the average price of 25 kg of Ghana rice range from 450 to 500 Ghana cities, while that of imported rice range from 300 Ghana cities depending on the brand. Chief Executive Officer of the company, Alahaji Brahma Shaibu, described the situation as the biggest disaster to have hit the company since its inception in 2011. If imagine from two, uh, uh, 206, uh, 10 workers, 105 workers to 56 workers, this tells you that we are just almost in a venture of collapsing. And that has been a challenge mm. for us. Now farmers are also uh, threatening not to go into rice production next season because they don't have market for their produce. They have produced the rice, yet they don't have market to sell. So it's better they just stop producing the rice. So it is going to be a very biggest disaster for us if the government does not take this as an emergency issue and work on it. Chief Executive Officer suggested a policy be instituted to make it mandatory for all state institutions to purchase local rice brands to increase patronage. If households, individuals are not patronizing it, and government has taken it upon himself by directing all his institutions like Ghana Armed Forces, School Feeding Program, Ghana Prison Services, for all these institutions alone will be able to 
support our industries. They have all gone back to the Indian rice. So we are appealing to the government. He needs to come to our aid. The situation is no different here at the newly established rice processing factory in Savulugu. Under the One District One Factory Initiative, the facility was not in operation when we visited. Abdul Samet Zakaria, a technical staff, explained why. Yes, it's because of the lack of market. And moreover, the sales, uh, we have a sales point at uh, Savulugu Township. So recently he came and picked some, uh, some bags of rice. As of now, his store is full. So that is why this one is here. So as and when he finished selling, he come and take the rest of the product. At the sales point in the Savulugu Township, the manager of the shop confirmed low patronage of the yield rice on the market. The paramount chief of the area, now Abdullah Yakubu Andani, has expressed strong concern about the situation, saying it could lead to hunger and damage local rice farming and production. We are not a little bit comfortable looking at if the trend is going on, it means this year we cannot go to the fold again. We will normally sell this rice and then reinvest the money into the forests. So if you don't get market, it means we are going to see them. And that's going to bring because the farmers are not going to till the land and for that matter no food. The government and the Minister of Agriculture should look at it very carefully. The Yona therefore called for immediate external support including from the Ministry of Agriculture and the Buffer Stock Company to assist with prompt measures to increase patronage and prevent the collapse of the rice processing companies and investment of farmers. Now, the factories are not selling those who have harvested the rice will they are not selling. So we are just in effect, we don't know how to do that. So I think, uh, I think government must intervene. If not, these factories will not survive. Right. And that is our fear. Uh, looking at the money that we have invested in these factories, it should not just be a white elephant. Right. So these factories should be there for the future. We are happy that the factory is here, but we are not happy that the products are not being sold. So I think uh, we'll use this your medium to send a message across that uh, we need people to come to our aid. From Logre, Elias Sotanko for Joy News. Well, let's stay in the northeast region because the overlord of Mamprugu, traditional council and president of the uh, northeast regional house of chiefs, has appealed uh, to the government to resume the construction of the infrastructural projects that have been abandoned in the area. The Nairi in particular uh, called for the completion of all abandoned road projects in the region. He spoke at the annual Bewa homecoming event. Correspondent Ilyasu was also there. The annual Bewa homecoming event it's an initiative by the Mamprugu Youth Association to bring together the sons, daughters, and all descendants of Nagbewa to rekindle and strengthen their, their Bradley and sisterhood. Nagbewa, the great African king, is ancestor of the Mamprugu, Dagbon, Nano, and Musi people. The theme for this year's occasion was strengthening relationships.
relationships with our neighbors through culture and education, the role of the youth. It was held in the traditional capital of Mampurugu and attended by a wide range of dignitaries including chiefs, politicians, religious leaders, youth groups, amongst others. In his opening address, the president of the Mampurugu Youth Association, Idris Ushaib, called on the descendants of Nagbewa to appreciate their diversity and value the bonds that unite them. The president declared their fullest support for the establishment of the Nairo Educational Fund in line with the commitment to education in Mampurugu. My pledge is to support the launch of the Nairo Education Endowment Fund, and we will do everything we can in it possible to ensure its sustainability. We are urging all sons and daughters of Mampurugu to support the fund. This is not just a financial initiative. It is an investment in the intellectual growth of our youth. By contributing, we can ensure that educational opportunities become a beacon of hope for generations to come. The Maya president also expressed concern about the growing incidence of hard drugs use among the youth and called for a concerted national response to the menace. Together, let us explore effective measures to address this challenge. And nature and environment that forces the physical and mental health of our young people. The Mamprugu Youth Association also announced the introduction of an award scheme aimed at motivating the workforce of the region and improving productivity. Today, I am proud to introduce the Excellence Award. The introduction of this award scheme is aimed to motivate the workforce of our region and improve productivity. Speaking on behalf of the Yana, a paramount chief of Pnaton who led a nine-member delegation to the event, Na M.B. Bawa, congratulated the Mampurugu overlord for his enormous contribution to the continual peace and tranquility in northern Ghana. I congratulate you for your spirit and a sense of unity and ambition for existence. Over the years, and largely contributing to the peace in the three kingdoms. The Yana suggested replication of the ceremony annually in the other kingdoms of the Gbewa lineage. There were also speeches delivered by representatives of Nanong, Musi, and leaders of the youth groups. A speech was also read on behalf of the Nairi, Nabaga Abdullah Mahami Shariga. Let's carry the spirit of unity, understanding, cooperation. Beyond these festivities, let it be done. Let it be done. Our actions, in spite of our youth, and strengthen the bond that connects us as one people. The overlord also voiced his concern about the disturbing phenomenon of drug peddling among the youth, whilst announcing the creation of an educational fund as part of measures to address the dangerous trend. On the development of the new region, the Mampurugu overlord and president of the regional house of chiefs called on the government to resume and complete all stalled projects in the region. Furthermore, I appeal to the government to make concerted efforts to resume the construction of vital roads that connect our towns and villages. 
Regional Minister Yidana Zakari praised the organizers of the event and advised it be sustained. Mr. Yidana extended the same praises to the overlord while assuring him of government commitment to the development of the region. From Nalirgu for Joy News, Ilya Sutanku reporting. Well, elsewhere in Europe, German farmers have kicked off a week of nationwide protests blocking roads with uh, tractors and tracks across the country, putting pressure on Chancellor Olaf Scholz's government. So let's speak now to our partners, the DW, and joining us uh, for more on this is Emily Scholz uh, for more live from Berlin. Thank you uh, for spending some time with us. So now, what's happening there and what's behind this latest wave of protests we're hearing about? So the farmers are protesting over cuts to subsidies that affect them, in particular fuel subsidies for some of their various vehicles. And this has come as a result of a budget shortfall in Germany last year and some budget cuts heading into this year. It's something that has... It's not that there have never been farmers' protests before, but this is really at an unprecedented scale. And so you're seeing not just here in in the capital, but in cities and towns across the country, um, sort of an unprecedented level of anger and frustration with this government. Something that has has been directed at different government officials, in particular the vice chancellor, Robert Habeck, uh, including people accosting him on his vacation and cutting his vacation short uh, over these issues. There are many who are wondering what the underlying problem is uh, facing these farmers, a reason for which uh, they've been carrying out this protest in Germany. Sure. So this is a culmination of, of a lot of bigger factors that are affecting the industry. You have uh, a, about 250,000 farms in Germany, many of them smaller and medium-sized farms, and these are the ones that are really facing a financial crunch. So there's a pressure to keep prices lower for consumers, but that often means that farmers are, are being squeezed on their end to try and make ends meet. And so that's why you saw this issue of, of these subsidies really sort of galvanizing this frustration and this, uh, this support for the protests across the country. There's the question as to how the other political forces are trying to co-opt the protest. How is that panning out? Of a lot of bigger factors that are affecting the industry, you have uh, a, about 250,000 farms in Germany, many of them smaller and medium-sized farms, and these are the ones that are really facing a financial crunch. So there's a pressure to keep prices lower for consumers, but that often means that farmers are, are being squeezed on their end to try and make ends meet. And so that's why you saw this issue of, of these subsidies really sort of galvanizing this frustration and this, uh, this support for the protests across the country. Lee Schultes with our partners at DW. Uh, thank you for spending some time with us. You're watching The Policy on the Join News Channel. We'll be back shortly. Yes, that's true. It 
can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm, that's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. Well, that's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? I was gonna man, but something was missing until I found the one. HD Plus is not your regular free-to-air coder. For a small fee, you get to experience great services and exciting world of content. Dial star 879 hash on your mobile phone and subscribe for as low as 290 CDs. This one is different. The images are five times clearer in HD picture quality and I'm loving the feely feely experience. HD Plus. I love you. But I'm still here. <laughs> HD Plus. For better. For less. That's right. Get your HD Plus decoder from any Electroland outlet or our dealer shops. Illegal mining continues to destroy our lands and waters. We are getting some cases of young people whereby they come with difficulty in breathing and cough. We find that they have extensive damage to their lungs. Um, they tend to be people who come from communities that are involved in illegal mining. From January 12th, we continue the fight against illegal mining in our communities. It's the Poisoned for Gold Community Tour. Join Erastus Asaridonko as we engage the people of Samreboy about the dangers of illegal mining. The Poisoned for Gold Community Tour is part of the USAGM media project on nature crimes in Ghana, supported by the U.S. Department of State Bureau of Oceans and International Environment and Scientific Affairs, Office of Conservation and Water. The tour is in collaboration with the multimedia group, media partners, Joy News, Adum TV, Joy FM, Love FM, Insura FM, Ahubrasia FM, Tricky FM, Asuna FM, Royal FM, Velvet Beam Radio, Max FM, Green Gold Radio and TV. Portia Alanyo is a final year student of the University of Ghana studying plant biology. 
Her passion until a couple of years ago was to contribute to the cure of cancer, but something else has caught her attention. What appeared to be the lack of skilled labor in Ghana's agri-sector. Portia got curious to find a solution. The result, a web and mobile-based app to link farmers to qualify human resource. So getting to go through the frustration of how farmers get people to clear their farms, harvest or even do sowing got me thinking how can this problem be solved because you have to travel to different towns just to gather the youth to help you on your farm and we, I thought of bringing this together to just help this problem in Ghana's agricultural sector. In Obwa, on the Joy Business Farm this Wednesday on TV, radio, online and on the ground. The Joy Business Van, brought to you by EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank, and MTN. What are we doing today? Going to school in that hot sun without sandals. Oh, wow. That was terrible. Really? That was terrible. Yeah. Why? Because your parents couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford it. Because there were how many of us? We were five before the, the Tamale born came. So six. Wow. And, uh, and you are number one. Number one. Number one. Okay. Mm. And so it wasn't that easy. And at, at St. Francis, did you ever get yourself into trouble? What kind of person? You know, because I didn't get myself into trouble. The trouble but came to found I knew that. If I stayed in the dormitory, my name would be added to those who had planned and all that. So immediately I heard the bell, the, the whistle, mm -hmm. I left the dormitory. And interestingly, when they were suspending leaders of the demonstration, my name was added. Wow. One of the most painful moments of my life. Though. I'm, I'm sure at St. Francis, now you were wearing shoes. Okay. My first pair of sandals, you know, it belonged to my father. And thanks for staying with us. Now, the Ghana Health Service has launched an ambitious uh, long-term strategy that will seek to tackle uh, malaria effectively by the year 2028. Uh, now, how do they plan to achieve this? Joining us in studio now to discuss this strategic plan is Dr. Nana Yapipra, the uh, Deputy Programs uh, Manager of the National Malaria uh, Elimination Program. Thank you so much, Doc, uh, for joining us. And let's start off with this whole strategy that you have uh, because malaria has been with us for quite some time. And we're just wondering what's new in this strategy or approach uh, to eliminating uh, the disease. Thank you very much for having me. I think that we, together with stakeholders, we've observed the progress we have made over the years mm. uh, with some existing strategies. And we believe that with the new approach where we, are, we have stratified the country, um, every district is designated um, as a state. So you are either in the very low transmission area, low, moderate, or high. Then depending on where you fall, we have some strategies for you. 
So, for instance, um, in areas where we have very low transmission, what, what is new? We're basically going to add mass drug administration. So, in areas like this, we'll be giving people medicines to clear the parasite so that we can push those areas into elimination. And in these areas, we're also going to introduce a medicine called Primaquine. And usually, you know, the parasites, especially the ovary type, is such that it can stay in the liver. And so there are some people who say they go to the hospital, they have malaria, it's treated about a month or two. It's like almost every month, uh, every month they are having malaria. And it could be the Plasmodium ovale. And for such species, we are introducing Primaquine to clear them. We are also introducing what we call enhanced surveillance. We want to be looking at the cases closely as they come and then identify what the issues are. We are also going to enhance entomological surveillance. The mosquito that is transmitting, we need to understand the mosquito very well. And, and we are doing all that in the very low transmission areas. Okay, just before we talk about the target, so let's talk about where we are now uh, as a country. How are we faring? Well, I think if, if you look at the parasite prevalence, for instance, um, about two decades ago, we were about 50%. Meaning that if, you, if I sample about 100 people in Ghana, and if I take the blood samples, about 50 of them will have the parasite. In 2011, the survey estimated it to have decreased to 27.8, which means that we have made progress. The most recent one, which was done in 2022, it has reduced to 8.6, and that is really a drastic decrease in, in the reduction. And we are also looking at mortalities, for instance. Mortalities in 2012, we had recorded closely 2,700 mortalities. In 2022, we're looking around 151 mortalities. So we have made progress. And we are saying that even with the limited resources and the tools we had available, we have made this progress. Now, with a new approach and the new interventions we are adding on, we should be able to eliminate malaria. And that's by 2028? 2028 is the mm -hmm. first five-year plan. Yeah. We're actually looking at a 10-year plan mm -hmm. to eliminate malaria. The right. first five years, we want to do something significant, and then we finish everything off in the next um, five years. So, so let's talk about what's going to happen within the next five years. What's going to be top on the agenda for you? I think top on the agenda is community ownership. Mm. We cannot eliminate malaria at the Ministry of Health or Ghana Health Service. Yeah. Everybody has to be part of it. And so we have to set the agenda to people. People will have to own it, understand that even though this disease has been, been with us for long, it is time to end it. And we have the tools to do it. We need political commitment. We already have it. And we are hoping that we have more of that. And that is why during the lunch, we are having the president to come over. Um, political leadership will be there. Ministers will be there to ensure that we get this commitment and get people to push for it. We also need resources. You know, as you add on new interventions, yeah. you need more resources. Yeah. And we have private sector coming in already, but we need more. Ecobank recently um, joined us, and they, they gave a seed money of around 120,000 U.S. dollars. We are calling all the private sector to mobilize the resources available so that we can end malaria. Mm, I see. Uh, in terms of uh, financing arrangements uh, and, and, you know, what you are in need of in terms of funding, um, would you say that you have enough or perhaps you're, you're still mapping out the strategies? Yeah, so over the years, we have had roughly about 50% of what we need. Mm -hmm. And um, we, what, what we are doing now is to sell it to people. If, for instance, if a company comes and says that this district we have here marked for elimination, I want to own it. Right. You know, then we invest into it. So we have been able to mobilize some resource, but it's still not enough. We still have a gap of around 60%. What we need. And how do you intend to make up for that? 
people. Are <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we, we, we need everybody on board. Yeah. We, we, have, we actually have focus on private sector because we believe that they really can help. We've started seeing some positive signs. Yeah. We also know that about 0.5% of the district assembly common fund is earmarked towards malaria uh, control. Yeah. What we want to advocate is an increase. You know, we were controlling, you were giving us 0.5%. Yeah. Now that we are thinking elimination, we need to have uh, the increase and also have the efficient use of the resources. Yeah. You know, so if are getting um, all the resources we are having in the district being used specifically for what it is meant for, should be able to achieve and then one great thing you're talking about is uh, the issue about community ownership um, which possibly can make up for some of these uh, shortfalls in, in revenue because if then you have uh, you know stakeholders from the community level joining the fight then we can eliminate what practical forms of support would you want to see from the community or perhaps um, in terms of adherence to some protocols would you want to see uh, as, as uh, you know that national and collective fight towards eliminating malaria you know, one of the objectives is to reduce the vectorial capacity. We shouldn't create environment around for the mosquito population to increase. So in our communities, if you are building a structure, you, are, you realize that you left it over a period of time, it's collecting, I mean, there's stagnant water, it's going to build mosquito. We need to cover all these things up. Um, we have gutters choked, you have containers in your homes, and it's collecting water. You have to cover them up if you're not using it. You know, so the communities will have to ensure that they don't create the opportunity for mosquito to grow. We have a number of interventions. We have to use them. In areas where we distribute nets, if you have the mosquito net, you have to sleep under it. Most of the countries that have eliminated malaria have used this intervention. Mm. And we know scientifically they work. We have areas where we spray the interior walls of the rooms where people stay, which we call the indoor residual spraying. If you are in areas where this is being done, allow them to come in and spray your rooms. And for, I, the way I look at you, I'm sure yeah. you can mm -hmm. even apply for us to come and spray your rooms. Yeah. People should also do things do that. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that if we think about clearing or getting rid of malaria, we, we put in interventions like this. And, and let's have... Maybe, maybe it's the, uh, the issue of public education, isn't it? The, the fact that you're not educating enough. Do, do you feel you're doing enough of the education? We are, but there's still more room for improvement. I mean, we work together with NGOs at the community level. We have health promotion units mm -hmm. at the community levels, at the district levels, and we have you. you know, to so always keep sharing the message with the people, and we are glad that you are here sharing that with us. So, so let's talk about, you know, um, the uh, people who are currently suffering the condition, or, I, I mean, or have some way, somehow, um, uh, you know, have been affected by this disease. Uh, is it easy to recover? Because, you know, the notion is uh, this is not a big deal. It's something you'd recover and that's all. But do we find people in severe conditions dying out of this? And, and how, how seriously should we take this issue of malaria? You know, worldwide, um, WHO recorded almost 600,000 um, severe malaria cases. Yeah. In Ghana, uh, we are also in the thousands. It means that you can get the severe form of the disease, even though you have been in Ghana, right. and people are still dying. But we believe at this point, people shouldn't die of malaria because we have the quality medicines to treat immediately to the facilities. So people are still having the complicated form of the disease. For those who travel outside the country for, say, more than six months and come back, you know, when you are in endemic countries, you have some level of immunity. 
But when you come back after being away for about six months, you lose that immunity. Mm-hmm. So right. really you come and you get some few parasites. Then you're off. A bad, bad form of the disease. And so we have to watch all those. And so we have to know that even though it's been with us, we want to end it. But how about treatment and, and our facilities, public health facilities, in, you know, easily dealing with these issues? Yes, so we have trained them. Mm-hmm. We have trained them to be able to identify a possible malaria case, what we call the suspected malaria cases. So somebody comes with fever or history of fever with other symptoms like um, general malaise, weakness, headaches, you can suspect malaria. Yeah. When you suspect, you have to test. We have the RDT or the microscopy. We only advise that you treat when it is positive. Because where we have gotten to, you have to know and confirm it's malaria before you treat. And so if you go to the facility, and in fact, even to, over the over the counter medical sellers and pharmacies, we are training them because they have to go by the standards. So we test if it is positive and we treat. I see. Any final message to you know our viewers, what they need to know about the strategy and perhaps if there's any other message you'd want to share with them. So on 16th of this month, next week Tuesday, yeah. we're going to launch the strategy. We, we want to hope that as we put this out, people will have access to it. We're also going to get to the regions and the districts and get the message across to everybody. But key, as I mentioned earlier on, is the community ownership. We want everyone to believe that we can eliminate malaria, and this is the time to do it. So every intervention that is made available to you, use it. We're grateful, and of course, uh, we hope to see you after the 16th, you say? Uh, definitely. We'll definitely have a conversation when that uh, uh, report or strategy is our Dr. Pepper. Thank you uh, so much for spending some time with us. And uh, let's talk economy now because inflation for December 2023 has dropped to 23.2% from the 26.4% recorded in November within the same period. By this, uh, government ended the year with an inflationary figure below its uh, revised target of 31.3% captured in the 2024 uh, budget presented to Parliament in November last year, announcing uh, the f- figures. Government statistician Professor Samuel Kobinayim indicated that food inflation continues uh, to drive inflation with a rate of 28.7%, while non-food inflation saw an I- inflation figure of uh, 18.7%. For the month of December 2023, rate of inflation on a year-on-year basis stood at 23.2% relative to 26.4% that was recorded in the month of November 2023, signifying a 3.2 percentage point difference between the rate of inflation that was, that was recorded for the month of November 2023 relative to December 2023. From a food and non-food perspective, we see a variation of 10.0 percentage points between food and non-food inflation, as food inflation for the month of December 2023 stood at 28.7% relative to 18.7% for non-food inflation for the month of December 2023. We saw a marginally sharper decline in food inflation as it declined by 3.5 percentage point between November and December 2023, declining from 32.2% to 28.7%, and non-food inflation declining by 3.0%, specifically 217 November 2023 to 18.7 November, December 2023. From a locally produced item and an imported item perspective, we see a reversal of the dominance of imported items as inflation for locally produced items stood at 23.8% relative to not imported items 21.9%.
And thanks for staying with us. Details of a draft copy of the report of a committee investigating the alleged plot to remove the IGP, Dr. George Akufo-Dampari, reveals that three senior police officers have been re re recommended for prosecution. This is contained in a leaked draft report by the committee. Let's take a look at some of the details uh, of this uh, uh, you know, uh, draft as uh, it's been suggested to be. The terms of reference are uh, talking about, you know, the need to ascertain the veracity of the offense of the leaked tape. And then we know that uh, possibly this will, was going to look into matters of conspiracy to remove the current IGP and also the uh, recommended sanctions to persons found culpable were appropriate. Uh, there's also the issue about the recommendations for uh, reforms where necessary. So these were the areas uh, that the report was looking into. Um, beyond that as well, uh, the committee now established, uh, you know, some issues based on the evidence it has gathered. First, that the two audio tapes were authenticated by four key witnesses who testified before the parliamentary committee. Chief Bugrin Abu, who's at the center of this, COP George Alex Mensah, Superintendent George uh, Asari, and Superintendent Eric Emmanuel JB all conspired. Um, and, of course, it was part of the plot to remove the IEP as this um, draft, we understand it's a draft, um, is suggesting. These are some of the findings that we're getting through uh, on this very document. The committee also established that uh, the COP George Alex Mensah lied under oath uh, before the committee uh, by stating categorically that he was not a Cadbury member of the New Patriotic Party. The committee further established that Superintendent George Asari and Superintendent Emmanuel J.B. lied also as well before uh, the committee. So uh, these are some of the um, items that uh, we're finding out, that three senior police officers, namely COP Alex Mensah, George, Superintendent George Asari, and also Superintendent Eric uh, J.B. involved in the conspiracy actually to remove the IGP should be referred uh, for further investigations and possible prosecution for perjury. There is also the need, as this document uh, is recommending, the need to review and amend uh, Article 2021 of the Constitution uh, and the Police Service Act, as it's been recommended. Uh, this is a draft, and of course, uh, when we uh, have uh, the full uh, publication from Parliament, we'll definitely uh, get into the details of this. And our Vice President of uh, Parliament's Ad Hoc Committee, James Agava, says the draft is forged. He spoke to join us earlier. I have seen the report, which is making the rounds. What I can tell you is that the committee hasn't concluded with its work yet. But I, 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 I take note of the fact that certain things said in there may not be substantially different from, from what we saw. But like I said before, we made certain orders that further corrections be done and then the report will be resubmitted to us for us to take a second look. So you, are, you are saying that what is in the media now may not be substantially different from what you have... I have seen certain findings, certain things contained in that report and I'm saying that some of those things may not be substantially different. For example... in the original draft. No, I can't give you those examples. Yeah, so we are, we are reading that you are strongly recommending for the prosecution of the officers involved. Was that captured in what you um, wrote in your draft? You know, I, I, I am not going to make those disclosures. It would be unfair to make such disclosures. Uh -huh. I've made it very clear that what you see out there, you know, is, is 
something that is making the rounds and, uh, you know, it's being put out there as a report of the committee. But we are in the state where we only consider the draft. And the draft was supposed to be corrected and brought back. But has the committee recommended the prosecution of anyone involved in this particular case? Uh, shouldn't be preempting, uh, you know, the outcome. Because remember that when we reconvene, we're going to take a second look. And when majority of the members agree, certain things you see, you know, which are supported to, uh, you know, be born out of our report, could, 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 could be approved or rejected. And therefore, I think we should be patient and allow the committee to do its work. Now, the chief of Senasi and uh, Contini of Brekum is inviting the owner of the good farm under pressure to relocate his livestock due to an age-old uh, custom uh, to a meeting that will provide a possible solution to the problem. Join News Investigations point to the ultimatum which elapsed uh, last year ordering residents to remove all goods uh, from the town. CEO of uh, the uh, learning, uh, the development farm, that's uh, Frederick Bennett, says uh, he has been given two weeks uh, to relocate because the gods of Brekum forbid the rearing of goats in the town. But the chief uh, of the town says he is not aware of such orders from the traditional council. Brekum, an old town in the Buno region, set up as a security post by the Ashantis. You could keep cattle, sheep, any type of bird or animal, but it's a taboo to rear goats. No matter how strange it sounds, traditional authorities and some indigents like Antebedu, who came to the town in the 60s, believe the river deity, Asiokra, cast this misfortune on whoever rears goats in the town. Do you think you will fare well if you rear goats in the town where our forefathers came to settle and called the name Brekum? No, no Brekum indigent will prosper if he rears goats. They will be hit by calamities and misfortune. Others have been told fatal accidents occur in the town due to the presence of goats. There used to be frequent road accidents and Ananon consulted oracles and came to the conclusion that the presence of the goats was responsible. As for us, we don't know anything about the spiritual realm, so whatever they tell us, we follow. We are told a recent enforcement of the custom led to many removing their goats. Some are not happy with the directive. Seriously, I am not happy with the directive to remove the goats from the town. I used to rear goats, and I have gone bankrupt after we were forced to remove the goats. That is a very, you know, stressful moment for us at the moment. One of the affected is Chief Executive Officer of Semencia Learning and Development Farm, Frederick Bene. 
He tells John News he's been given an ultimatum to move his over 250 breeds of goats from the town. In fact, when we heard this, it was a very stressful um, story to us, you know, because we had never dreamt that such a tradition that has been abandoned for years will be revoked again this time as we are going forward. Fortunately, after a series of back and forth discussion, they still insisted that we move from here and have been given a strong warning of two weeks to vacate, otherwise they will send people here to kill all our animals. This one staring at me right now is the bois goat. It's a fascinating breed of goats. He's part of about 250 goats, different breeds, different types, brought in by Sementia Farms. But will I say great investment Wrong destination because the town Brekum hates goats. This is Snasi, which of course is part of 38 communities in the Brekum traditional council that hates goats because Asiokra, the river deity, which is some few meters away from here, doesn't like goats. It's a taboo to rear goats. You can bring in a goat. Slaughter it and eat it. You can bring the meat into town, but you cannot create this in Brekum. And that is the subject of controversy at the moment. But the chief of Snase and Kontihine of Brekum, Osahine Asomajiman Sebi, wants Sementia Farms to meet Nananum for an amicable resolution. I don't know whoever gave him that order because we haven't met on it at the traditional council level and that place happens to be the highest decision body for the traditional council we haven't met we haven't, we haven't taken any decision over his removal from uh, our Siouxland so I'll just advise him he should come down and let's talk and see how best because if the land will you wouldn't have been there by now like by now we have removed you all the time if, so what I'm saying is that there's still room for improvement Reporting for Joy News, Erastus Asaridonko, Brekum, Buno Region. Well, that's all we have for you in this package of the polls. I am blessed as well, and thanks for your company. For more news, log on to myjoyonline.com. We have lots of stories there for you.